Welcome to This Week in MTG with your hosts, Matt Olson, JB, and Danny Oakstead. Hello and welcome, Magic Folk, to episode number 81 of This Week in MTG, your idiot news source for all things Magic the Gathering. We are your hosts, I'm Matt Olson. Up there we have Danny Oakstead. And over there we have JB. Yeah. JB decided to make sandwiches and didn't share any with the rest of us. That's fine. I had tater hot fish. Oh, oh. God damn. Here I was going to like dogpile on JB for sandwiches and now it's like knowing that you had tater tot hot dish and you didn't even... It was, it was the last of the remaining leftovers. <sighs> you monster. Uh, I love tater tot hot dish. Though, I mean, I did have tater tot hot dish this this last weekend. My wife made some and it was so did I. very good. Tater tot well, hot dish is always good. So did mine. What? Uh, yeah. Maddie just didn't eat any because she made oh. it for the rest of her family when they were in town this weekend. And so uh, she didn't eat any, but she made a whole sheet for for everybody. That thing was good. Ooh, it was so good. Nice. Never go wrong, tater tot hot dish. Right? Hey, JB, tell Mrs. Boggle tater tot hot dish has corn and green beans in it. <laughs> I mean, I tell her that every time. Doesn't yeah. mean it works. I know, but Maddie put it in there, so that's what matters. And she's not, from, really, she's not from the Midwest. I don't think really had it with tater tot. Uh, green beans because that'd be green bean casserole no no you just have like you got corn you got green beans you got carrots you can have peas in there as well you can have lima beans lima beans you you guys are just onions like no no you just put in like chunks of onions and then you mix it all in with the beef it's not like super concentrated with all these vegetables putting way too much stuff on it all it needs all, all you need is cream mushroom cream of chicken Corn, beef, lots of cheese, and tater tots. Wait, 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 wait. Cream of chicken? Yes. Just try it. Who does cream of chicken? It's cream of mushroom. Cream of mushroom and cream of chicken. Oh. Just try it. Only if you'll try it with green beans. I, I'll be fine, but it's just <laughs> the fact that uh, tater tot hot dish should only have corn in it. Demus has it right. Frozen mixed vegetables just gets everything in there. It's a good layer yep. of a good spreading of uh, vegetables in the the tater tot hot dish. True yeah, story. Right. Always good. And, they, and then you toss the tater tots in Cajun seasoning. Yeah, yeah. We've, ne- we've never done Cajun seasoning, but we've sprinkled it with uh, with uh, Cajun seasoning and then cheese. And yes, there's always cheese on top. You just drench that thing with shredded cheese. It's cheese on the bottom and cheese on the top. In oh. between, or, so the tater tots are just covered in cheese. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking at the bottom of the pan. It's like, no, you don't no, put no, cheese no, at no, the no, bottom no, of no, the it's pan. Burn. It's so the tater tots just stuck to the meat. <laughs> okay, okay. I was about to say, we were going to have some and issues you, there. And if you use... Uh, and if you use a uh, right-to-right pan, it's non-stick anyway. It's, don't worry about the cheese burning. Just see, re- Moose says half chicken, half mushroom is amazing. Hmm. Okay. Well, I'll have to give that a shot because every time my mom has made it, it's only been cream of mushroom. I guess that's the only yeah. way that I've known how to make it as well is just cream well, of mushroom. That's how my mom makes it, but Bernie's sister's like, hey, put half chicken in it and go half mushroom. 
So depending on how much you're making, it, it's just a little extra flavoring. Interesting. But anyways, <laughs> enough of this week in hot dish. Um, <laughs> yes. Oh my god. <laughs> ah, Jesus. Weekend hot dish. Let's, let's have Hold the most on. Midwest Midwestern podcast ever. Write this down. Did you? Okay, so we with sneak the, past you and grab the ranch. With everyone, the, ask your grandma for the favorite hot dish recipe and send it to us by this email. <laughs> so the Miles You Betcha guy. Did you know that there is another podcast that's underneath him called like Hot Dish, the Hot Dish Podcast or whatever? And it's hosted by a couple of his other friends. I can't remember. I've never listened to it. I, like, I listened to the trailer. And I'm I like, guess it's hosted by the guy from Wisconsin. No, no, it's the lady. Isn't the lady? Yeah, the, it's the, the Hot Dish podcast. It's two ladies that just like talk about things that are going on, I guess. Huh. I don't know if it fell through. The last I heard of it was, oh, God. What, back in November of 2020, so maybe maybe yeah. it didn't go through, pan, it didn't pan out as plans. I don't know, mm. but yeah, you should hit up our Miles and see if he can get us on. Oh man, that would be hey, what? Hey, guess what? Just, just tell him, hey, I I take your garbage away, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I'm your garbage guy. So apparently, the Fargo Target, you know how it just got its renovation not that long ago, is getting another freaking expansion yep what how yeah where 7.3 million dollar expansion renovation where at inside or are they yeah, they're gonna put a liquor store in it even where yeah they're it's apparently on the east side of the building you mean the west side uh-huh. well i mean i guess there's a little room on the east side i would have imagined that they would have just like taken off the west side yeah, I, parking I, spot I think, I think they're taking they're adding another entrance, right? Correctly, they're adding like a liquor store and I think expanding like the sit down area. Well, is, but, does that mean that they're expanding in front of it? Because you're talking the sit down area by the 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 pizza ranch, and not the pizza ranch, Starbucks, the, the Starbucks and Pizza Hut by the pizza ranch. No, Jeez. no, no, they got a Pizza Hut inside pizza there. Hut. Yeah, it's a Pizza Hut. I, I just said the wrong. It's not a Pizza Hut. It's just a. A, a cafe. Yeah, but no, they well, got no, Pizza they, Hut. They sell Pizza Hut pizza. They have Pizza Hut pizza. They got the Hut. Well, it's one of the few spots in town you can actually get Pizza Hut. I think that's yeah. We have like four Pizza Huts. But anyway, do let's we get back on track and talk about magic this week? <laughs> <laughs> you but, don't like this week in food? Before we jump into uh, magic, let's hear an ad from our sponsor now oh i thought you were gonna say let's hear from this week in basic bitch man okay so if the, if we're talking about target don't get them off topic if if target <laughs> puts in an, a, a liquor store we know for sure that it's gonna be nothing but boxed oh. wine and fucking like white claws and you're not gonna find anything else there you're not gonna be able to get beer it's just box so, wine and white claws no, or so, any other bud seltzer i showed the wife and and she's like, they're gonna put a liquor store in there. F my life. <laughs> it's like, oh, great. Now we're gonna live at Target. She, she says, don't we already? I mean, th- this this will give those uh, those soccer moms more even more reason to be going to Target all the time. But anyways, <laughs> let's hear an ad from J Dubs now. 
Thank you for listening to This Week in MTG. If you would like to show support for us, you can check out our amazing sponsor, JDub Sports Cards and Gaming, located in the Westacre Malls in Fargo, North Dakota. They are your one-stop shop for all your magic purchases. They are always stocked up with Ultra Pro and Dragon Shield sleeves and playmats, Commander Precon decks, plus they have an abundance of booster boxes ranging from Amonkhet to Zendikar. JDubs also buys and sells magic singles at competitive prices. Their display case and binders are full of format staples, hidden gems, and other cards for you to bling out all your decks with. With those cards you just bought or traded for, you can make a modern or legacy deck so you can play in the Weekend Discord League. Entrance is $10 and games are played over Spell Table. Links are in the show notes. When you reach out, make sure to let them know the guys over at This Week at MTG sent you. Now let's get back to the episode. And thank you, J-Dubs, for sponsoring us. Okay, let's give you that breakdown how this episode is going to get laid out for y'all. First up, as always, we pass you over to JB, who will take you to his cozy little boggle desk and tell us about some event results and upcoming events that are happening. Then from there, Danny's going to lead off with a blog tog and we have some news quickies of Time Spiral. It just released. Talk about that for a minute. Magic Legends is releasing tomorrow. There's some arena announcements. Mark Rosewater has his Strixhaven teaser we're going to talk about as well, and a couple other things. Then from there, we're going to move to the finance section. After that, we have a deck of the week, and then from there, y'all can go home. So, with that, JB, you have everybody at the Boggle Desk. Do I, though? Do I really? I mean, make some room so we can all fit. Like, I don't know what you want from me, man. I have a small desk, sir. Yeah. I can comment on that. (laughs) Hey, now. (laughs) This is a family-oriented show. Oh, I thought it was going to be something along the lines of uh, kids' table at Thanksgiving, you know? That JB is the poor adult that can never leave the kids' table because it's just most effective oh, it's, to it's have the him there. the only table he can reach. Right. It's most effective for him to be there. You guys are assholes. This week in short Why jokes. Why am I friends with you again? <laughs> I don't know. I I don't know how, how this has done what it has this long <laughs> and all the fucking jokes that just keep piling up. Though in all honesty, it doesn't take that many jokes to pile up on you before it's over your head. This week in short jokes. We got you covered there. JB, tell us about those event results. <laughs> uh. I don't know. They might be over my head. I mean, you're not wrong. It's a pretty stacked <laughs> event. <laughs> you're an asshole. Uh. Even your dad's getting into it. Yes, Demus. Thank you so much. Oh. Uh. Uh, JB, JB. <laughs> Still has it. <laughs> Still has the booster seat. <laughs> so there I was. About to talk about these uh, event results here. So we had a 5K Strixhaven Championship qualifier happen this last weekend. Format was historic. First place was a Jun deck with Gigantha companion second place we had gruel aggro third place was jun sacrifice with a gigantha wellspring 
companion. Fourth place, we had a Sultai Yorion build. Fifth place was another Jund with a Gigantic Companion. Sixth place, we had Mono Blue Aggro. Seventh place was a Red Deck Winds with a Gigantic Companion. And eighth place was Selesnya Aggro. A lot of Gigantas there. Right? Very interesting. And the fact that it's like these Jund decks are the sacrifice decks. Mayhem Devils and Woe Striders. For some reason, I thought the last time that we went into a historic discussion, it was um, Jund was like outclassed by just Luris and Rakdos style, style decks. But going back in for the green, for the Gilded Goose and Korvald Fey Cursed King. Okay, so what I'm wondering with this red deck wins, okay, you got your mono red aggro here, your mono red deck. Yep, yep, yep. What are they gaining with running Gigantha as a companion? Just the late game 5-5 five, five body that it makes. Is that really the only reason? Yeah, dude. If the game gets out of uh mono red mono red control or mono red burn rule, red deck wins reach, you know, it's just like cool. Eight mana, I can now pull out this five five that's gonna like wall a lot of a lot but of they're damage. Running, they're running Chandra's incinerator, that's a six six. They got four of. Right. But you always have access to Jengatha. Jengantha. And just to, like this goes back to the, the companion discussions of of old. God, it's almost been a year since companion came out. But yeah. Eight. Just just the ability to have these in your have access to these at any point makes it super super relevant. Like, what are you going to do if it's like, oh no, I don't have a G2 Lava Runner or the Chandra's Incinerator has actually just been hosed and it's like, I need something else or I'm going to be getting dinked down by a Sultai Yorion deck or the Selesnya Agro, which has, you know, the Kazandu Mammoth and stuff. Like, this will go toe-to-toe with that and and it gets out of reach of Skyclave Apparition actually too. I mean, so does the Incinerator, but something, something, companions are still viable apparently wow this is a big uh, event 301 players in this it, well yeah that's a big 5k yeah and then in the top 16 there are five more jund decks jesus five Jeez. one two three four five yeah five more jund decks a blue white control another sultai yorion and a selesnia agro ridiculous Ooh, look at that selesnia agro's got your uh seagrid God favored. And Toski. Look at that. Isn't that cool? Toski's a cool card. The fact that it's like, cool, draw cards and just, it just swings no matter what. And it's indestructible. It doesn't matter. It's just like, attack with a squirrel. <laughs> right? Gonna beat your face in with a squirrel. Okay, it's so piggybacking off of that. We have, ah, another. Would you stop with the Twitter posts? It's such good information. It's where they post it. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know how to zoom in. You click on the picture. Yeah, I clicked on the picture. And you can see it. Not really. Go get your glasses then. <laughs> I have my contact sensor. Hold my Ming fan glass. Yeah, I need something like that. Okay, so... Uh, what? Why is it week one? Uh, Historic. This is yeah, from the 15th not- to the 21st of March. 
Is it just because it's the only week that they've had Caldheim or historic for the Caldheim qualifiers? Would be my guess. I was going to say, because Caldheim's been out for more than one week. Right. I think it's just going off of the historic events just being this week and stuff okay, with so all the satellites. We're not going to worry about the week one then. Whatever. So this is your historic snapshot of the meta. We got Jun Food at the top at 12.5% and a 57% overall win rate. Makes sense uh, why we'd be seeing a lot of those decks then. Jun Company is following close behind with 10.1% with a 53.6% win rate. Azorius Control is 8.6% with a 46.9% win rate overall. Gruel Aggro is at 5.6% with a 55.2% win rate. Salty Ultimatum is at 5% with a 49.2% win rate. Bant Control is at 4.9% with a 48.1% win rate. Angels is coming up there. I like that. 4.6% and it has a 48.5% win rate. Colorless Ramp is 3.5% with a 47.5% win rate. Orzob Auras is 47 or no, it's 3.1%. It's 47 decks. And it's got a 54.6% win rate. Mono Green Elves is 3.1%. It's got a 49.5% win rate. Rakdos Arcanist. It's got 3%. And it's sitting at a 45.1% win rate. Selesnia Company is another 3%. Sitting at 55.8% overall. Goblins is at 3%. And it's at 55.7% overall. And all the rest of the random rogue decks make up the last 30%. And they have a 43.5% win rate overall. So those uh, those angel decks, I remember hearing about them, that it's like a collected company style deck with resplendent angel is one of the things that it does in there. Like, it doesn't get bigger than resplendent angel, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to look up a list here real quick. Well, this is an Orzov one that does well in a best of one. I don't think that's what we're looking for, but ah. let's type in. So, as Nia. There we go. Got that. There we go. Historic Angels. Yeah. Angel of Vitality, Bishop of Wings, Resplendent Angel has Soul Warden, Speaker of the Heavens, Youthful Valkyrie, and all of that can be hit off a collected company. It's kind of exciting to see. Right. right. All right. So that'll do it for our uh, past events. For upcoming events, we have the Kaldheim Championships coming up March 26th to the 28th. There is going to be a $250,000 prize pool. And see, it's going to be broadcast on Twitch beginning at 9 a.m. Pacific time each day. So that'd be 11 for us here in the Midwest. Yes. This week in time zones has your back. This week in time zones does have our back. Deck lists are open. Looks like our casters are going to be Maria Bertholdi, Riley Knight. I don't know how to say that. Elite, Elite, Elita. Cool, cool alias V on, on, on (laughs) is your Twitter handle. Cool alias. Sure, we'll go with that. Paul Chone, Cedric Phillips, Marshall Sutcliffe, Manny Devotee, 
and AUU. Yeah. So it looks like there's going to be 210 people from the MPL and Rivals League to top qualifying competitors through all the qualifiers through Magic Online and Arena. First place is going to take 15K. Second place will take 12K. Third place will take 9,000. Fourth place will take 7,000. Fifth through sixth is 4,500. Seven through 14 is 3,500. 15 through 31st is 2,500. 32nd through 56th gets 1500 57th through 106th gets $750. And 107th through 211th is $500. That's pretty dope. Right? And it looks like they get some... That playmat is pretty sick. Right? Get. We're getting there. So for all the swag, all the participants get... They get a Caldheim Championship backpack patch, a Tibbles Trickery playmat that does look pretty sweet. Caldheim Championship branded dice tin with D6 and assorted sleeves. Caldheim toque, so I'm assuming it's the hat. And they get some draft boosters from Caldheim. I don't know the story on Tybalt in Caldheim, but he's breaking away from chains. I wonder what got him locked up. Oko. <laughs> Did Oko really lock him Probably. up in Caldheim? I don't know. <laughs> so I mean, it looks like for the formats... Day one is historic and standard constructed. So rounds one through three are going to be standard constructed. Rounds four through seven are historic constructed. Day two is another historic standard split. Uh, rounds eight through 11 are standard. Rounds 12 through 15 are historic. All matches are best two out of three. Anyone who earns their 12th match win are advanced to top eight and do not compete in additional Swiss rounds. So that's pretty cool. Top eight's double elimination. Yeah, there you go. Tune in. Tune in to Twitch. Check it out. So then next up, we have our FNM at home for this week is going to be Popper. So get out all those commons. I don't know what the Popper meta looks like right now in Arena. Yeah, I have no idea either. I don't even know. Yeah, I can't think of any like really good common cards off the top of my head. It's been so long. Right. Is Blood Chief's Thirst common or uncommon? Oh, God. Let's quick scratch all search. You're on a computer, man. I just want to test your guys' memory. Come on. <sighs> Chief. Never mind, I found it. It's uncommon, sir. Damn. Well, that'll be an artisan, not popper then. Womp womp. But it's popper this week. Yep, yep. All right, time to turn it over to Danny. Yep. So for this week, we actually have two blog attacks. Uh, the first one comes from. Tugato, what was it Tugato, Tugato? Uh, they asked. Uh, Tog-a-tog, a-tog. Sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> Tog-a-tog-a-tog. Perfect. Uh, so they asked, has there been an internal discussion about returning to Kamigawa, Kamigawa and using completely new, different mechanics? Similarly, would you rather do Kamigawa with new mechanics or a whole new Japanese-themed plane? Mark replies, uh, if, you ever, if we ever return to Kamigawa, we'd definitely explore a bunch of new mechanics. The mechanics of the original block was not its biggest draw. I guess just for my time, Kamigawa. I don't even think I really heard much about it. I think Kamigawa. that they had. I think Kam- oh, Kamigawa was really packed with legends, and it had uh, Splice onto as a mechanic. 
God, I know it had a couple mm. other mechanics that I'm just like, fuck. Oh, it, uh, the like the original flip cards where they or the inverted cards where you met a condition and then it just twisted upside down. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, had those as well. Yeah, uh, one-sided cards. Yeah, Bushido as a mechanic as well. Yeah. Honestly, I think right now everything that they have is just like new and improved to what they got in there. First off, a legendary we've already had legendary based sets with Dominaria and now with Keldheim, the Theros super legendary rich uh, in there as well. So, I think if they did a return to Kamigawa, like they got all the pieces, modal double-faced cards would re- resolve the flip cards, the OG flip cards of Kamigawa age. Yep. I think I think they're just I don't know why. I honestly don't know why they're I wonder if there's I wonder if there's ever in a super internal retaliation I don't know if that's the right word. If there's something that happens where it's like, yeah, we got we can't actually do another set on Japanese culture, maybe. I'm trying to think, have they done something since? I mean they got Ninjutsu was in there. Ninjutsu's a beloved mechanic. Yeah, I don't know what they were talking about. That the mechanics of the original block was not its biggest draw. I wonder what he means by that. Nobody plays the flip cards. Nobody runs anything with Bushido. Yeah, but you had all the legendaries. You had, you got the the ninjutsu as well. Okay, but honestly, and how the many cards Archon, are like the Kamigawa block really get like legitly played compared to other blocks besides yeah. Kiki Jiki? Yeah, good point. Good point. Anyway. Uh, we'll go to the next one from Machine Priest Exemplar. Exemplar. Uh, they asked, uh, I know it's very far away right now, but I am curious about some of the finer release details with the two Innistrad sets are coming out later this year. Um, are they both in standard? Are they both full-size sets? Do they rotate out at the same time? Were they designed with each other in mind? I'm surprised no one is freaking out about it. Two premier sets at once that seem to be entering standard at the same time is un, uh, unpresentable. Uh, or wow, words are hard. Yeah, unprecedented. I don't know what the word is because I can't say words. Unprecedented. Um, anyways, there we go. You said Matt. I got you. Uh, Marsh reply back was both sets are full size sets. Both are standard legal. They come out about two months apart. And they are not changing how many sets are being added to standard during the rotation window, just moving around, uh, just moving around when they come out. I guess that was a question I always had too. Is like, w- was both of these inset sets coming out the exact same time? But obviously, this is saying they're not. So again, two months like just a normal set. Because yeah, spoilers started for Strixhaven. I guess technically, technically they started the twenty fifth, but. There's already been two sneak peeks as of today, Monday, the 22nd. Anyways, that was it. I wasn't going to do the blog talk about all the spoilers and all that, but we're going to talk about that later. But uh, let's move on to the quickies with uh, some Time Spiral Remastered. Yeah, so Time Spiral Remastered released last Friday. If you were anybody who's anybody, you might have watched our stream, opening up a box of that stuff. Got some good pulls. Got a, we got we opened up a, restore balance, and ancestral visions. What was the? Uh, we had one good, really good. Well, there's the Katsali Pride Mate, Pride Mates, 
and Restoration Angel in the old border. There's a ponder as Urborg. well. Urborg. There's an Urborg that was opened. Pretty pretty solid stuff. What else did we open in there? It was fun. <laughs> That's it. It was fun. But we all like opening packs. Yeah, so uh, anybody out there that has opened up Time Spiral Remastered, let us know what your favorite thing that you opened up was or what you plan to get. Yep, yep. Some other quick news here. Tomorrow is the launch of Magic Legends. Today there was the pre-release event that was going on where you could get access to it. It started at 11, but tomorrow is when it launches. And... 10 a.m. It launches at 10 a.m. Pacific. So it will be noon for us here in the Midwest tomorrow. So uh, with the open beta nearly upon us, we're excited to announce that the preload for Magic Legends is now available over the weekend. You can download the game client game files and any additional patches from both Arc and Epic Games ahead of the PC beta commencing. So once the server opens on the 23rd, you'll planeswalk right into the multiverse so unfortunately you guys will be listening uh, if you're listening live on twitch right now you should be able to jump in if you got a pc download all the files in the clients you won't be able to log on but you'll have it all down so tomorrow at noon or 10 a.m pacific you can just log right in and start playing nice and moving along it looks like uh star city game job openings they're looking to fill Sadly, they're all in Virginia. So if you want a job with Star City Games, it looks like it could be moving if you get it. I guess a few of them that they're looking for is there's a junior stack web developer, processing assistants, media coordinator, and inventory solutions associates, purchasing, purchasing representative slash buyer, um, and third-party sales platform associate. Just a few things. Um Looks like they're all full-time except for the processing processing assistant, um, which, quick look at it, it's literally just a order picker, 24 hours a week. <laughs> How for I... those who are listening out on the East Coast. Or if you want to move to the East Coast. Or that, too. <laughs> the incentives have to be real for you to move out there for that. Imagine right. they, imagine it's a good job. It's a, it's a decent job for part-time. I don't know if I'd be uh, picking up and moving across the country for a part time though. Yeah, for nine fifty an hour. Right. The other ones were full time. They all had pretty good benefits. Looked like so. If you move but, uh, over there, move over for move over there for those ones. Yep. Okay, Wait, so it looks me. like Magic Online tweeted on the seventeenth that they're investigating the issue that's kept recent league deck lists from posting. They do not have an ETA on the fix but it's being worked on. And apparently we looked into this and tweeted about an hour ago asking if there was an update on the deck list post getting fixed. Still waiting to hear. Yeah, it only has results from the 10th. It was a Pioneer League or a Popper League was the last deck list that they showed on there. So that's kind of unfortunate. A uh, right. couple big magic analysts in the community, Hagen Kirk and Anali Yai both i love i love reading their uh i love reading their analysis analyses on leagues and the meta as it's shifting and evolving so i want them to get their hands on this data so we can see the meta breakdown 
next up in the news, there were some Magic Arena announcements on March 17th. This is from the magic.wizards.com articles page. Uh, they're like, another announcement post? We just had the historic anthology. They're letting us know about a bigger schedule, more ways to play each week, and announcements and other announcements players like us will find interesting. We plan to follow up more often, roughly once a week, to help you know exactly what to expect. So they got playing his uh, playing in historic times, reminding us that the historic anthology four is available, but for from now till June tenth, for four thousand gems or twenty five thousand gold. Uh, there's a clarification on this because it doesn't seem like they fixed this bug. Uh, the confirmation screen when purchasing the bundle states you received one copy of each card, but that's a visual bug as you will receive all four copies of each card upon purpose. We'll fix it fix it in a later update for clarity, but now you know for sure. And I don't recall, I, I didn't look today if on their uh, forum page if there was an official update yet. Next up, there are some upcoming MTG Arena events. Kelheim Festival on the Edge from March 20th to the 23rd. You participate in that, and the Reaper Shrug emote will be available. (laughs) It is a goofy-looking angel that's just shrugging and bobbing up and down. There's Historic Brawl, March 27th to April 1st. And then you get a Shepherd Glee emote. Historic shakeup with a changing band list cards. You'll have to stay on your toes and think fast to find the right deck. Week one of historic shakeup continues through March 9th, 19th. Week two kicks off as soon as week one ends and continues to the 26th. It's free to enter and battle for individual card rewards for sets that aren't in standard. You can find the updated band list here. We will leave the links down in the description below for all y'all. Let's see, we got draft formats going on right now. Uh, a couple more days left of War of the Spark premiere draft, but then after that, you got the Core Set premiere draft. Pack 1, Core Set 19. Pack 2, Core Set 2020. Pack 3, Core Set 2021. Also, Keldheim Quick Draft is going on. Then after that Quick Draft is done, Throne of Eldraine will be starting April 2nd. We'll most likely cover these news this news again when it uh, arrives, but yeah, that's the MTG Arena news for y'all. Solid. So as I mentioned before, um, Strixhaven is starting their previews um, starting the 25th, so basically when Mac gets this edited and out, spoiler season will begin with Strixhaven. So starting March 25th at 9, 9 a.m. Pacific time, uh, you can watch a live stream of Strixhaven School of Mages uh, release on twitch.tv slash backslash magic and at the official Magic YouTube channel. Again, the 25th is kickoff preview. April 15th, uh, Strixhaven School of Mages release on MTG Arena and Magic Online. April 16th through the 22nd is pre-release week. And April 23rd is Strixhaven School of Mages and Commander 2021 edition tabletop release. And then for the rest of the year of 2021, magical releases, we have Modern Horizon 2. We have Dungeons & Dragons Adventures of the, in the Forgotten Realms, which should be released right around July 16th. Modern Horizons is June 11th. 
Then we have the first of Instrad. We have Instrad Midnight Haunt, which is going to be the Werewolves. That will be September 17th. And then we have Instrad Crimson Vow, which will be the Vampires. And it looks like that's going to be November 19th. So yeah, a lot of lot of magic happening this year. Some good stuff. And then further along to the Mark Mark's uh, Strixhaven teasers brought to you by his blog togs. So before the previews of Strixhaven officially begin, I thought it'd be fun to do another of my duelist style teasers where I give tiny hints of things to come. Note that I'm only giving you partial information. So here we go. First up, here are some things you can expect. A white card with the rules text, draw three cards. Give us white ponder, you cowards. It's white harmonize. Ooh, I'd be down with that. Uh, we have a planeswalker you know, but not as you know them. We know that one now. Yep. A young uh, card featuring Paulo Verta Damo da Rosa's likeness for winning the world's ch- championship. A spell with three X's in its mana cost. Ooh. Ooh. I wonder if yeah. that's going to be like a, a astral cornucopia kind of thing again. Oh, another, yeah, another, that's right. Another big red X spell. Ooh. That would actually be pretty solid. Uh, burn mages and stuff. So, yeah. Like mm-hmm. a big old, big old fireball. Yep. Uh, we have an introduction of a new evergreen keyword. Ooh. A red sorcery that you can have as many copies in your deck as you want. Oh, God. Danny, hide your boner. <laughs> sorcery, though. It's not instant speed, so you're okay. Uh, but a future-shifted I... card appearing for the first time in a premiere set other than Future Sight. What? That's exciting. Keep reading. I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to pull up these uh, Future Sight cards real quick. And um, we got a MDFC with the same card type on both sides that hasn't been printed before. A card sharing something never shared before. Uh, we have a cycle of en- enemy dual lands finished off, finishing off the 10-card cycle. Fast lands. Right. I think people are uh, saying that it's going to be the uh, BFZs, be, like the BFZ lands. Yeah. Oh, the... Um... Two like, or more, yeah, or whatever. two or more basics. Yep, that seems pretty, pretty. No, no, those aren't the bicycles. What's the name for those? They're just Is the BFZ. The no, they're just the BFZ lands. The bicycle lands are the Amaket lands. Oh, yeah, the cycling ones. I mean, it could be the other color of the bicycle lands, the Amaket lands, because it said it's a uh, enemy, right? Yeah. Yeah, an enemy would be. Yeah, uh, because the Yamakit lands were ally, weren't they? Because yep. they were. It was Golgari, not Golgari. It was uh, Azorius. Azorius, Demir, not Boros. Ah, oh, jeez, you think we would know all the right? enemy color pairs by I now? I gotta visualize. Just... Hold on, let me look at the back of a card here. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, they had a Slesnia one. Slesnia, that one. Yep. Gruul, Rakdos. Yeah, Demir's one. Perfect. Anyway, let's move along. Um, so here are some snippets from rule text that will appear in the set. Uh, search your library and graveyard for up to four creature cards with different names. Otherwise, put a study counter on it. Whenever a permanent enters the battlefield, causes a trigger ability to trigger. 
Untap mm -hmm. each creature you control, then tap any number of creatures you control. Pay 10 life. Repeat this process six more times. Okay, we, we already know yeah, what that from. Yeah, we've seen that one. Yep. Uh, pass, P uh, yeah, pass bats, insects, snakes, and spiders. Oh, pests. That's a new creature type. Yep. Uh, each mode must trigger a different, or must, must target a different player. That's commander targeted. Yep. yep. Whenever an opponent activates an ability that isn't a mana ability. Counter that ability. Make it white. <laughs> where X is the number of cards in your library. Oh, that's blue. And finally, here's some creature type, uh, creature type lines from the set. Uh, creature, turtle, druid. Nice. Creature, bird, warlock. Creature, frog, wizard. Creature, spirit, dwarf. Creature, troll, druid. Creature, eye, bat. We're getting eyes back. Wow, that's pretty cool. Homunculus. We have an eye bat. That's a weird one. And then we have legendary creature, vampire, warlock. Legendary creature, orc, shaman. Legendary creature, dryad, druid. And legendary artifact creature, construct. We're getting Karn back, confirmed. Yep. <laughs> He's uh, a creature now. And we can find out the answers to some of these clues and other strikes having news on March 25th at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Tune in early either on twitch.tv backslash magic or on our official YouTube channel, like I said before. So do you think since Strixhaven is this whole like school oriented thing or whatever, do you think they'll print Urza as a headmaster? No. Mm, yeah, probably. Isn't not. isn't Urza on the reserve list? Uh, Urza okay, headmaster. They can print a card called Urza. They didn't have it have any sort of ability they want. I don't know if they can, but I mean, it's. I'm not talking about like a reprint of Urza. Like I'm yeah. talking about like straight up. Just an Urza card, like a new Urza. I don't, I don't think they'll have them as headmaster because the Elder Dragons are the headmasters of each school of Strix Seven, or each guild of Strix Seven. So if they, if I think they'd have to have like a five colored dragon be the headmaster. So Nicobolus is not coming back. <laughs> Good. So I... he's still locked up. I have two thoughts. This is falling back to that future site border. Yep. First one that I think it could be Storm Entity. Okay. Red one, Elemental one, one with haste. It comes into play with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each other spell played this turn. Seems like a likely contender. And then the other one that I was thinking looking at these future site cards is Nyx. It's only had the one printing, it's a single blue instant counter target spell if no mana was spent to play it those are my two guesses we'll have to see on the 25th if they announced so, it friday yeah because anything in, anything in the black bordered or uh in the black any of the black spells don't really look like it maybe in white there could have been a couple that could have been possibilities oof would be a cool one spell Manitized. wind spell wild oh man no it, it Manatide has been printed outside of a future site border. <gasps> oh, oh wait, yeah, no, can't do Graven Cairns and like those lands and stuff. They've all been printed outside of that future site border mm. as well. But yeah, oh man, these are 
these are exciting. Like otherwise put a study counter on it. I bet that's going to have some sort of effect like search for greatness, you know, do this or. Well, it could be an artifact that where you have to put a study counter on until it has so many study counters in exile. That too. That would be my guess. Some sort of enchantment or artifact that does it. Oh, damn. I just realized with that future shifted card, <clears throat> it says appearing for the first time in a premiere set other than future site. So I wonder if that means it was printed in like a non-premiere set or a commander product. And it's, uh, yeah, damn. Ah, probably not Nyx then or the Storm Entity. Damn it. Yeah, I don't know. Doubling season? Just kidding. <laughs> We got that on we got that on a steak right now with uh Vorinclex. Yep. So as of today as well, they announced two planeswalkers. Yep, they did. I'm gonna share a link here real quick. So that way you can click on it. There you go. Oh, it's not it's not linked. It's not linked. There you, sir. There. Now it's linked. <laughs> I can click on it. Just make it a li- little easier for you guys. So who's who's taking what card? Nose goes. Okay, I'll talk. I, I want to talk about Casima, Enigma Sage. Okay. I'll do the other one then. Perfect. So Casima, Enigma Mage, blue green one for a two loyalty legendary planeswalker. Casima has a static ability of each other planeswalker you control has the loyalty abilities of Casima, Enigma Sage. The plus two allows you to scry one. Neg X create a zero zero green and blue fractal creature token. Put X plus one plus one counters on it. And then it has Neg 8. Search your library for an instant or sorcery card that shares a color with this planeswalker. Exile that card, then shuffle. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Okay, this card is going to be super cool with just like little synergies and stuff. A lot of people right now are talking about how well it's going to pair with the Core 21 Teferi where you uh, can activate it each turn. So plus two up on it instead of the plus one of the Teferi will help get it to its ult super quick. And that's important. But I think the cards that are actually going to benefit being with Kasima Enigma Sage more are going to be cards like Narset Parter of Veils. Because like the the War of the Spark uncommon planeswalkers, all they have are downtick abilities. Now they have an access they have access to upticking, and letting Narset stick around a lot longer and being able to activate that ability more than twice seems pretty fucking good in my opinion. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's just or even or even just the Golgari one with the zombies. Yeah, uh, for... she doesn't have any plus ones, so it's she has a Nig one and one and Nig two, the one that creates uh. The elves, right? Oh, I gotta look at what set did that one come out in? The oh, War Sparks, I think. Uh, the only Golgari one that came out in Braska. Yeah, it doesn't make those Nick two. Those Nick two. That's yep, what yep. It was. Yeah, it makes it assassin. Yeah, that's what it was. Yep, that's what threw me off there. That sounds like elves. For some reason, I, like, I, some reason I had the elves. But yeah, that's because of the new Golgari elves deck. Right. EDH deck that came out. But yeah, yeah for, for Asuka, yeah, it's just a way to... Make more assassin tokens. Exactly. It's not bad. And then right. also with uh, Sahili Sublime Artificer, another one, when you cast a non-creature spell, you make a servo token. 
this one is going to be super it's going to pair super well like these three mana walkers along with Kasima, i think are going to be not too shabby mm-hmm. and so oh, and then also with like ashiok dream render i i would be remiss if i didn't talk about one of my favorite planeswalkers ashiok dream renderer uh the one that uh, spells and abilities your opponent's control can't cause their controllers to search their library so you just uptick on Ashiok to scry one next turn you get two more activations of milling and exiling <laughs> graveyards seems not half bad but this also gives access to planeswalkers that only have a plus one ability to a plus two ability which will you know accelerate them up to their ultimate or even to their next ability so you can hit it twice activate it twice yeah, like the well, even well, even those yeah, planeswalkers that are four loyalties and they're also nick six, so you can do it once and rather than waiting two turns, you or three turns, you just do the second turn. Right. Oh my like, god. Like uh, Nissa and uh, Garrick and like the OG ones. Okay. Okay. So Hwatli, the Sun's Heart, the one, the three mana planeswalker from War of the Spark, to selesnia hybrid for seven loyalty i mean you also got cure it's another three mana seven loyalty but these are just one away you uptick if you have kasima out with either one of those uptick to scry one next turn you alt it still has a loyalty counter on it to cast an instant or sorcery spell without paying its mana so you'd have to get a big spell and in standard you got things like all runs epiphany you got emergent ultimatum you can get any of those ultimatums as well let's see mm. Incinder Sorcery that shares a color with this Planeswalker. Okay, so if you do Kiora, Behemoth Beckoner, it'd have to be a spell with blue or green in the mana cost. So that's already just super easy because that's just a straight-up Simic deck at that point in Historic. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That's so good. Yeah, this is going to be cool. Even in Super Friends and EDH, uh, having multiple Planeswalkers just to have the, the Scry ability would be pretty dope. Or if, you know, uh, in, in EDH here again, you cast these Planeswalkers, they all have doubling season, and they all have this ability, the alt ability here of search your library. It's just like everyone that comes in, just give it that negate alt now and cast instances and sorceries. They'd have to, be again, be pretty powerful and depending on the Planeswalker. Like if, if a Planeswalker has a pretty weak ability, maybe, but a, a weak ultimate ability. Kasima yep. seems like a pretty... And, Casima seems like a pretty fair planeswalker as their self already. Should just mention that here now. Uh, it's a three mana, two loyalty. This is not. This is clearly not going to be an Oko, but it's definitely going to allow for a lot of fun synergies. I would say. Well, show. So, JB, you want to tell us about this next card? Uh, are you done fangirling? I don't know. I was just like I was just thinking of different things and brews inside my head. I don't know what else you want from me. Oh my god, you can totally tooth and nail with uh Kasima Enigma Sage on the alt. Is Entwine an additional cost or uh choose both if you pay the Entwine cost. Damn. So it's not an additional cost. So you can't cast it, pay the Entwine after the fact. So getting tooth and nail is not too bad. But continue, JB, I'm sorry. Stole your thunder there. Are you done? Yes. You sure? Yes. Okay. So the next one we have Professor Onyx. For four, black, black, you get a legendary planeswalker, Liliana. <gasps> dun, dun, 
Dun, dun. So you get five loyalty planeswalker. It has a static ability of Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. It's got a plus one ability of you lose one life. Look at the top three cards of your library. Put one of them into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. It has a neg three. Each opponent sacrifices a creature with the greatest power among creatures that player controls. And the ultimate is a neg eight. Each opponent may discard a card. If they don't, they lose three life. Repeat this process six more times. That is fucking brutal. Yup. Brutal. So I was talking, I don't think, JB, you were in here yet when I was talking about this. Uh, I mentioned it to Danny. But in standard, Professor Onyx would be a very solid emergent ultimatum pick. Uh, Emergent ultimatum is the green, uh, blue, blue, black, 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 green, green, sorcery, where you search for three monocolored spells. An opponent chooses one of them, and that goes back into your library, and then you cast the other two without paying their mana cost. So this is going to be a new pile that gets picked in Standard. You got Professor Onyx that does all this stuff, all runs Epiphany, which is already run in the Emergent Ultimatum decks, and then you got the new Vorinclex that gets run in there. So it's like you cast... the. So the situation that I told was telling Danny earlier was if they pick to put Vorinclex back... Then you get Professor Onyx and All Runs Epiphany. So you would stack it to where Professor Onyx enters the battlefield and you cast All Runs Epiphany, trigger the Magecraft, an opponent loses two life, you gain two life, you take an extra turn, and then you can plus one this and look at the top three cards, and that's all fine and dandy. But if they choose to take the All Runs Epiphany, uh, if they t- choose to take the All Runs Epiphany instead of the Vorinclex, you get Professor Onyx out with Vorinclex, which will then double the counters and you can alt it right away <laughs> and then they probably have to choose professor onyx in all honesty and give like if you're the one casting emergent ultimatum uh, they would have to take professor onyx and then you're just getting an extra turn and a six six beater so that's 12 damage that you're swinging in with and your opponents can't be act can't be uh adding counters to their sagas and th- things like that so be on the lookout for Professor Onyx in those emergent decks. I think it's going to be a thing. See, now, we could totally get an Urza. Yeah, if they do something like this, where it's like Professor... So Onyx, uh, Sapphire. Professor Professor Sapphire sounds like a stripper. <laughs> Urza's a stripper. <laughs> oh, my God. Jeez. And and all, all the stuff that Urza dances on is the constructs that they make, that he makes. There you go. Imagine him spinning around on Urza's tower. Oh, God. Urza's mind now has a different meaning. <laughs> oh. Such a deep, dark hole. <laughs> oh, my God. Why is it moist? It's so moist. Oh. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, if they do that. I mean, this would probably be the way how they get Jin Kentaxius in here. A lot of people online are speculating that that is the the next Praetor that we're going to see because it makes sense. Jinkataxius is a studious Praetor, and we're now going to a, a school-based set. So people are expecting Jinkataxius to be the big evil in Strixhaven. So they're kind of given, like, is this the way that they're going to be giving characters, like, a hidden identity now? 
have a have their name type and stuff, but a different name. Be like, aha, it was me this whole time. Something along those lines. But uh, the other thing, uh, in, in Discord channels right now, people are talking about Professor Onyx and how it's just going to go off with Storm. So, oh. Yeah, because it's copy <laughs> or cast. So you have a, a grape shot, or people are saying in Legacy, uh, Tendrils of Agony, which is three black black or four three black black or two black black and for the amount of spells that you cast uh, you can make a copy of tendrils of agony and an opponent loses two life you gain two life and so that would stack up just having four spells on the stack is uh, 16 life lost and gained five is a five is an instant kill and it's not that hard like with that tier grid deck that we were talking about the other week ramping out to six mana might not be bad like there are probably going to be some mono black storm decks, possibly, possibly. I think that'd be cool, super cool to see. It would pair very well with uh, Ral Zarek as well, because that Ral Zarek, uh, Ral type, Ral live scrapple search. Yep, uh, Ral Storm Conduit from War of the Spark. Two blue red for loyalty Ral. When you cast your copy and insert a sorcery spell, Ral's Storm Conduit deals one damage to target opponent or planeswalker. So it kind of does it kind of does a makeshift that. Having both out is definitely a win more, and you're definitely diver- you're diversifying out what you probably don't want to diversify out on. Maybe. But I mean Gr- Grixis Planeswalkers has been a deck in standard before. So I'm not saying it's not going to be a thing, but I think it'd be a cool thing to see those two in a historic deck together now. Any other comments from you guys on Professor Onyx? Nope. Black, I don't play it. Do you think this will go in, like, Jund-style decks? I don't know, because it's a six drop. That's the, that's the problem. Let's see, cast instant. So it's going to need to be very instant sorcery, and Jund isn't very instant and sorcery heavy, so yeah. I mean, Grixis would be a good place for it. So maybe there will be a Grixis Planeswalker deck because, or a Grixis Control deck. Bunch of instances of sorcerers get cast. Ooh. And then um, things like the uh, Twin Cast, that Fortel, that new Fortel d- dual cast spell. I can't remember what it's called, and so I'm going to look it up. Dual Strike. Yep. Red, red, instant. When you cast your next instant or sorcery spell with converted mana cost for or less this turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So with that, you cast this, they lose two. You cast your next spell, they lose two, they lose another two because it copies that. That's pretty dope. So that's six on potentially like a few mana. Professor Onyx is is a very interesting card and I'm excited to see what Better better magic players than us are going to brew around with this, hopefully. Okay, so quick side note here. Okay. You know how I was talking about how I was talking to Josh about the time spiral stuff? Uh, and how he pulled how he pulled that foil thought seize? Oh, yep, yep. MTG Stocks has it at $462.50. Does it really? Yes. Oh, my God, no. <laughs> Yeah, the Kiki Jiki foil that he pulled too is a two hundred dollar foil too. Jesus, yeah, yeah, those foils, man. Like, in they're, they're, time okay, to to put this in perspective, okay, with with the foil prices on these freaking time shifted cards, okay, I pulled that foil time shifted ethereal armor. Yeah, it's a sixteen dollar foil. 
Yeah. Yeah, the foils and the, I mean, the time shift. Time... That, puts, that puts it into perspective right there. What's the normal foil price of ethereal armor going for? <laughs> like a dollar, maybe. Okay, so a 16x multiplier. Does the 16x correspond? Let's see. So market price is 43. Uh, that's about, it's almost that. It's a little over 10 times the, it's a 10x multiplier on the Thoughtseize. In the in the time shifted to, from non foil to foil, it's because they're super rare, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, it makes sense if it, a ten x multiplier on on a super rare foil card of these, and everybody, for for my understanding, uh, maybe in, in JB, maybe you can give us your insight on it as well. Um, the the foiling of the old time shifted cards is actually good, but the time spiral cards themselves, the foiling on those, if you open up just a normal foil foil time spiral card, are curling like a Pringle. Uh, I mean, I noticed a little bit of curling on mine, but I wouldn't say it's quite Pringle status yet. Give it a week, we'll see what happens. And the and, and these are on just the normal time spiral cards, not the time shifted right. ones. Right. Okay. 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 That's exciting. God damn. Well, this seems like a pretty solid transition then for you, JB, to lead into NFTs. I don't want to read this article because I have no idea what NFTs are. Oh, yeah. I... I'll take this one because I was, I was more interested in this one. There. There you go. Thank you for saving me. Okay. You're leading <laughs> off the uh, finance section then. No, I have cheap pickups, remember? We're trading now, sir. <gasps> No. <laughs> That's not how this works. Okay. The next thing we're going to be talking about here is this article from Hipsters of the Coast. Art for two islands become the first magic NFTs to be minted. Uh, this was on the 16th. So the article reads, the first two NFTs or non-fungible tokens... Uh, of Magic the Gathering artwork were minted within hours of one another by their original artists yesterday. So that would be the 15th. The first illustration announced on Twitter was the War of the Spark Island by Kristen Zerg Ibley. Gibble. Zerg Gibble. Which Magic Art's in- entrance into the market of increasingly eye-popping NFT sales. <sighs> They give her last name. I'm just going to say the first name because that was hard to try and figure out. Zer Gibble. I mean, eh, it's pretty easy. Zer Gibble. So Zern Gibble subsequent, subsequently delisted the piece until Wizards of the Coast makes official statement on NFTs. It was listed on the trading platform foundation with an opening bid and reserve of 20 Ethereum, a digital cryptocurrency. The amount of is equivalent to just under $35,000 at the time of writing. Minutes later, another island, this one from Magic 2012 Island, Peter Mornbacher, was also announced on Twitter. As of the the morning of the 16th, Mornbacher delisted the NFT. It was also posted to the Foundation website with the same opening bid and reserve of 20 Ethereum. Once the opening bid and reserve is met, a 24-hour auction begins. At the end of the 24 hours, the work is sold to the highest bidder and recorded in a digital ledger known as the blockchain. Uh, 
These are both one-of works, never to be minted again, and once recorded, can be held, sold, traded in per- in per- perpetuity. Perpetuity. Words are hard. However, the owner of the NFT does not acquire the copyright to the image nor the original digital file. Wizards of the Coast is a subsidiary of Hasbro Incorporated. Own, they own the copyright to these images and have yet to make a statement of these offerings or the ability for artists to create NFTs of artwork commissioned for the game. In the past, artist contracts included the ability to sell an original artwork as well as prints of artwork they create for Magic. It is not currently clear whether that extends to digital, digital artworks to be sold as NFTs. Some companies are taking a stand against artists utilizing NFTs. Last week, so this would be two weeks ago, a leaked letter online detailed DC Comics' stance on NFTs, specifically saying that the use of their intellectual property would not be permitted by artists working on their properties. Kristen Zerngibble's last card for Magic came out in spring of 2020, while Mornbachers stopped working for the game in 2014. In 2015, he wrote an article about the pay of Magic the Gathering artists, which created considerable conversation within the larger community. Although he has not created any new work for Magic since, his work is still frequently reprinted within the product line. NFT minting has surged in recent weeks, and especially since the March 11th sale of Every Days, the first 5,000 days by Mike Wickelman, an artist known as Beeple, who sold the digital collage through Christie's auction house for more than $69 million. It's the third highest price realized for a living artist. The topic of NFTs have continued to divide artists on social media, concerns over the environmental impact of the blockchain and cryptocurrency mining, art theft, and copyright infringement are just a handful of the conversations that have left artists on either side of the new technology. Stay tuned for future updates regarding magic regarding Magic the Gathering's NFTs and any response from Wizard of the Coast. So yeah, NFTs is this new craze that is hitting, just hitting the ground running right now. Have you guys heard, uh, JB, you don't know much about NFTs, but in that article, like, what, what are your thoughts on that? It's just another avenue for more stuff to get sold, more collectible items more exclusive exclusive content kind of a thing sure <laughs> exactly i'll be honest i totally wasn't listening i was i was scanning ahead in the finance section <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> that is a want 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 imagine that i did not hey, not paying attention me not paying attention no never never but it does bring up a lot of interesting points of conversation and would love to talk more, but this podcast is going on pretty long. So let us move on to the next part, which is the finance section. Mm-hmm. Cha-ching. Okay, so we read off from the Weekly Winners article on MTG Stocks. Uh, the article comes out on Fridays. We read on Mondays. So there's obviously going to be a little bit of difference in the prices. But if you want, you can click on the links. 
click on the cards. It'll show you the actual pricing that day. Uh, they do really good job. They have graphs and stuff. It's pretty cool. So anyway, let's get into it. So the first one is the M15 printing of Sliver Hive. It was sitting at $29.89. It's got an 84% increase. Uh, this is increased due to the reprint of Sliver Legion in Time Spiral Remastered. So the normal printing only saw a small uptick, but apparently the foil version has spiked up to like $250. Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do with it what you will. I guess, you know, this is a, a sliver staple, so pick it up, sell it, do whatever you want. Um, I guess this is a perfect plug for TCG Sniper right now. If you want this card and you want to pick it up after it ba slides back down again after this hype, plug it into TCG Sniper. It'll uh, give you alerts for what you want to pay for it if it drops down into that range. Plus, on the flip side, if you have a card that you think is going to spike, you can set a alert for it on the high side and it'll let you know when it hits that number and you can sell it off for that too so we've got number two here we have oriak champion the iconic masters print oh 63 dollars and 45 cents yeah man got a 59 percent increase holy crap so this card it's white white you get a one one human cleric it's got protection from black and red and whenever another creature enters the battlefield, you may gain one life. So it's a soul warden with protection. Uh, it's seeing increase. It's seeing a lot of playing modern due to Heliod combo, Death and Taxes, Boros Hammer. The fifth Dawn print, I guess, is still below $50. So it's interesting that the Iconic Masters print is the one that's shooting up. But, uh, yeah. People like the, the newer border and probably the arts on it as well. More than the uh, the fifth Don one, but yeah, who knows? Right? I don't know anything. But yeah, yeah. Oriac Champion has been seen in a lot of sideboards recently. Yep. Yeah, I've I've been seeing it a lot on a lot of dumps. It's been popping up. There's a Heliod combo list with it actually in the main board. Four mm -hmm. of in the main board. Well, yeah, that's how you get the. That's how you start the combo. Whatever another creature comes into play, yeah. So just any other creature is just a cheap way to do it because it's like Oriok, cast Heliod, enters the battlefield, gain the life, put a plus one counter on Oriok. Or Spike Feeder. Uh, I'm not no, sure. No, the, the combo with Heliod is Walking Ballista. Right, you need Walking Ballista. So you need, because I, I run the Soul, the, I guess I Soul Sister variant of Heliod combo. Um, So it's... Yeah, so you can do it turn four with Heliod. Have the, Heliod out turn four, have Walking Blizzard come out turn four or two. So you get one token on, or one counter on him, but you give him lifelink right away. And you put the counter from Heliod onto Walking Blizzard and go infinite. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. But they only got one of Walking Blizzard, so this is just more of like I, getting into a position. That's kind of weird. You can tutor up I the think. Walking Blizzard with Ranger Captain of Eos. True. Mm-hmm. But the list is or there. Collected company. Uh, no. Oh yeah, no. no. Collected company with Ariok Champion now actually keeps Walking Ballista alive. Enters the battlefield, 
before state-based effects happens, trigger goes on the stack, creature entered, yeah, you gain a life, but that's, heal yet that's comes hinging in. on having a lot on your board, though. Yeah, you need, you need, well, you only need Ariok Champion and Heliot Sunground, so it can be turn four, you get the, pl- you get Walking Ballista out for one. Now, you'd have no way to go off from there, because Walking Ballista doesn't have lifelink, and you pay all four mana to do the collected company right there. You want to have mana open. Well, I mean, you have Birds of Paradise turn but, one. Coco is an instant, though. It is. So then next turn, you go off. So you could Coco on end step, get the Ballista. And then whatever else. And then you untap. I mean, you don't even need the the Ballista as well. Like, if you hit a Ranger Captain of Eos, because it puts the card in your hand, it puts Walking Ballista into your hand then. Correct. And then you still go off on turn five there. You win. Just Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, this is really bonker balls. Yep. It's a $900 deck. Yeah. What's the next card, JB? Okay, so number three, we have Allosaur Shepherd out of Jumpstart, sitting at $223.35. Got a 74% increase. I need, like, four of them. You, you wait till they drop back down. They won't. They won't. They won't. That's it'll, the it'll one drop. It'll drop. No, it won't. It'll drop. It's, there's it no way. It is not going to sustain a 200 plus. No. Yeah, it will. There's it, no way. It will we, drop. We need more printings that are actually going to LGSs and not Amazon stores, which is the one of the reasons for this. But no, yeah, she, she's, she won't go down. We need a reprint. Which won't happen very often. It won't happen anytime soon, I don't think. I don't know. I think this would be a good card to put into just any kind of commander product. It's el- yeah. It's 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 elf. It has elf synergies. It has dinosaur synergies. I don't know. I think I think its reprint its reprintability is super high. It's un higher than what it probably would normally be. It's an expensive card. Wizards has economists. They're gonna look at this. They're gonna say, yeah, this is too much to <laughs> to, to try and reprint and like uh in a uh, a commander right. set. Let's 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 be honest. Wizards isn't gonna look at that and say okay because they don't acknowledge the secondary market. They don't, but they do. If they didn't acknowledge the secondary market, why haven't we got fetch lands yet? But they don't acknowledge the secondary market. They don't, but they do. Fetch lands would don't. be <laughs> fetch land. I know it's it's this whole fucking chase chasing tails circle shit, and it's 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 never ending. Maybe they but, don't want to reprint it because they want to sell more jumpstart. Well, that's the. Th- well, I mean, yeah. No, they they only so, have so many so much jumpstart and stuff. Like it's I'm pr- I, I don't know the if it's still getting produced like jumpstart boxes or if they're jumpstart still- was uh, printed in man. Yeah, but they're gonna. It's gonna Supposed end at to some. Po- it's gonna end at some point. And if they're printing it to demand, and all of the the boxes are going to Amazon instead of LGSs, true. It's like what demand is there if it's just like oh straight from Amazon fulfillment? You know, Hasbro, well the wizards to uh, the wizard side of it, they're getting better deals just sending it straight up to Amazon fulfillment. They're making more money that true. way because instead of having to worry about dealing with. Sending it to a distributor who then contacts LGSs or other uh, distributors and stuff like that. No, yeah, I agree. I just need one for my elf deck. I'm pretty sure that Josh keep, still has. That I, that I keep changing up. 
I'm pretty sure Josh Josh still has a uh, some jumpstart boxes at the store. Yeah, but that's still a couple two hundred dollars that I don't have right now. Are the jumpstart boxes two hundred bucks? Yeah, because of this guy. <sighs> Jesus, I I mean, yeah, I guess it makes sense. I guess it makes sense. And then you got all the other cards in there, like looking at the rest of Jesus. You so got I'm looking at. Just quick Google, uh, TCG's selling them for two four uh, two thirty five, um, NW sports cars selling for two twenty, empty uh, hobby rising selling for two twenty five, eBay's two forty three, digital heroes is two twenty five. Yeah, they're all over two hundred dollars. Might as well just buy. Your, might as well just buy your Allosaurus Shepherd instead of a box at that point. Woof, right? Well, worth like another trader jumping up too. I mean, you're not bad. You're not going to be feel bad about a Crater Hoof behemoth. No, that's what happened when I got my last box. Right. Crater Hoof is still tiny bones has gone up. Crater Hoof is sixty, almost sixty bucks. Yep, fifty eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are nineteen other cards or eighteen other cards that are in the double digits in Jumpstart. Yep. You got Reanimate, Rise of the Dark Realms, Silvala, Frexian Tower, Muxus, Shieldred. Branching evolution, like all yep. these cards, like this is this is still a packed set. Because the blood's gone back up to like forty. <sighs> Womp. Bruvax forty five. Jeez. Womp. <laughs> oh man. Ristic study is forty seven, forty three. Jesus. The Frexian swamp is uh, between fourteen and eighteen dollars, where it's like the Frexian scripture, Frexian text swamp. But uh, who's taking cheap pickups? Danny. Am I? Yes. Okay. Uh, so starting off cheap pickups, we have a Shia Soul of the Wild sitting at 732 and stabling out. A Shia is basically a must-need any green commander deck. Right. Um, so it's green, green, three, legendary creature, element, elemental, uh, Shia Soul. So the wild's power and toughness are equal to the number of lands you control. Non-token creatures you control are force lands in addition to their other types. This card so is super powerful. The, so if you want that Scute Swarm uh, Infinite, there you go. Right. Next we have um, Rise the Redeem. Uh, it's sitting at 330, trending down slowly. It is a hybrid green-white legendary creature elf warrior with... Uh, Two hybrid green white tab create a one one green white elf uh, warrior creature token, and then has four hybrid green white hybrid green white tab for each creature token you control. Create a token that's a copy of that token. Hmm, maybe I need this in Rith. That's really good. It's really good. All of your tokens double. Right, and then we have Orvar the All Form. Sitting at six oh eight, turning down slowly. Um, Orval, or Orvar is a legendary creature shapeshifter with changeling. Uh, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, if it targets one or more other permanents you control, create a token that's a copy of those of copy of one of those permanents. When a spell or an ability an opponent controls it causes you to discard this card, create a token that's a copy of target permanent. It's a three three. I thought for sure he was going to get his prices and go way up with the way they were talking about him. Keldheim's still getting opened. It's just on the downward yeah. trend. I imagine at some point 
it'll start to uptick. So once you get into modern, would be my guess. It'd be interesting to see if that can do good in modern, but all the talking you know, commander. Looking at this, I am seriously contemplating on trying to fit it into the eighty of Soul Herder. Oh my god, yeah. Because all of your ephemerates and cloud shifts. Yep. Holy shit. Holy shit. JB, you got a Yorion Soul Herder deck. This doesn't seem like that hard of a thing to just like put a two of this in there. Right? And then it gives you kind of a bit of defense against like Croxus style decks, Rakdos discards and Rack decks or Thoughtseize kind of things. Like, I mean, they're not going to be making you discard this if they Thoughtseize your ass, but you know. If it comes down to it, like last card in hand, they thought sees you just try and pull it, pull out your last card. It's like, ha it's an Orvar. Right. Very interesting. JB, make a list. I want to see that. Like, and we need to see this list. And then I will totally play it against you. Or I'll play you against it. Okay. Now for deck of the week. This one is a special deck of the week compared to usual. Danny wanted to do a a popper no, EDH deck. No, no, JB asked for recommendations <laughs> for format, and I just said the first thing that was on my head it happened to be popper EDH. Well, he chose it. We found a deck, Slimefoot and the Stowaway. And also, also, it's a budget deck. Yeah, which is good. Yes. I think it's been a long time since we actually legitimately talked about a budget deck. So this is gonna be this is gonna be good too. So it's a slime foot the stowaway deck. Green, black, one, two, three, legendary fungus. When a sapperling you control dies, slime foot the stowaway deals one damage to each opponent and you gain one life. Has an activated ability of four. Create a one one green sapperling creature token. So with just that alone. You can imagine that this deck is going to be very heavy in uh, sapperling generation and sacrifice effects. So there are 25 creatures in here. We have Abyssal Gatekeeper. When Abyssal Gatekeeper dies, each opponent sacrifices a creature. Blood Briar. When you sacrifice another permanent, you put a plus one plus one counter on Blood Briar. So this would be a big beater when you start sacrificing all those sapperling tokens that you're making. And here is a Death Bloom Thalid that'll make a Sapperling. When it dies, you create a 1 1 green Sapperling. It's a 3 2 for 2 and a black Death Spore Salad. Black Salad. Jeez. <laughs> Death Spore Thalid. Black 1 1 1 Zombie Fungus. Beginning of your upkeep, put a Spore counter on Death Spore. Remove 3 and you make a Sapperling. And then you sack a Sapperling. Target creature gets Neg 1 Neg 1 until end of turn. Start making your board wide with this, and you just start sacking Sapperlins to take out indestructible creatures like maybe an Avacyn. Too soon, sir. <laughs> Too, Too soon. soon. Got some ramp in here with an Elvish Mystic. Green, 1-1, one, one, tap, add green to your mana pool. Fertilid. Elemental enters the battlefield with two plus one plus one counters on it. You pay green one, remove a plus one counter from it. Target player searches their library for a basic land card, puts it on the battlefield tapped, then shuffles their library. Got Golgari Rotworm. Green black three for a 5-4 zombie worm. You pay black, sack creature. Target player loses one life. Ivy lean, Ivy lean, Ivy lane denizen. 
Green 323 Elf Warrior. When another green creature enters the battlefield under your control, un under your control, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. You're making sapperlings, those are green. Every sapperling enters the battlefield, and you put a plus one counter on something else. I mean you could put it on the token, but probably put it on a slime foot. Just make slime foot big. Yeah, the cool thing about all these cards as well, they're all sub 50 cents. Like Elvish Mystic is 50 cents. Everything else is actually like two, six, and and down. Uh Lampid of Death's Vigil, black one, one, three. You pay one, sack a creature, each opponent loses life, you gain a life. Leaf Ken Druid, another ramp creature, green one, oh three, tap, add a green to your mana pool. If you control four or more creatures, uh add green green. So ramping out into a bunch of sapperlings. It's just going to tap for double green, which is always important. Mold, mold Graft Scavenger. Green 104 Fungus Delirium. It gets plus 3, plus 0, as long as there are 4 or more card types among cards in your graveyard. Nantuko Husk. Classic. Black 2, 2, 2. Sack a creature. It gets plus 2, plus 2 till end of turn. It's a zombie insect. Overgrown Armasar. Green, green, 3, 4, 4. Enrage. Whenever Overgrown Armasaur is dealt to damage, you create a 1-1 green sapperling creature token. So this thing will go into combat, make a token hopefully, and live, and then that way you can just keep swinging, because there's no real ways to be pinging in this deck, it looks like. Uh, I'm going to quickly just look over a couple of the important cards here. Spore Frog. Everybody loves a good Spore Frog. Green, 1-1. One, one. You sack it, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn. Maldratha loves the spore frog. Right. Got a bunch of thalads here. The OG thalad. At the beginning of upkeep, you put a spore counter on it. Remove three spore counters. Create a sapperling creature token. So like all those thalads that do that have that effect of where they put spore counters, you remove three, you make a token. And then they have a thing of where they sack it, something else happens. So thalad germinator, same thing. Get a spore counter remove three make a token you sack a sapling target creature gets plus one plus one thalid omnivore uh it does th this one actually doesn't do that it doesn't make the sapperlings it's a uh, black three for a three three fungus you pay one sack another creature thalid omnivore gets plus two plus two until end of turn if a sapling was sacrificed this way you gain two life then we got a tuck a tongue tuck a tongue thalid yeah yeah i said that right tuck a tongue <laughs> When it dies, you make a sapperling. Uh, Vital Spore Thalid. This one has its same text of you put a spore counter, remove three, make a token, and then you sack it. Target creature gains haste till end of turn. Wow, that's actually pretty cool. Yavamaya Shepherd. When it enters the battlefield, you make a green sapperling. It is two and a green for a 2-2. Two, two. Now into the instance, you have some removal. You, for, you forgot about Spore Mound. That'd yeah, be a good mention. Spore Mound's oh. probably the... Yeah. There we go. That's bigger sapling producer. Three green green for a three three fungus. Landfall. When a land enters the battlefield under your control, create a one one green sapling. Is there ways to be ramping into more land on the battlefield here? Yeah. Map nope. the wastes. Green two. Sorcery. Search your library for a basic land, put it on the battlefield, then bolster one. Rampant growth. Uh cultivate. And those are your ramp pieces that put lands into play to help trigger in the instant speed section. Taking a look into the... Oh, you got Sp Sp Sprout Swarm. That's an important card as well. Green 1, instant, convoke, buy back a 3. You make a sapperling token. 
So you start making a bunch of sapperlings. This is just going to keep coming back in your hand, and you're just going to be six mana to make a 1-1, one, one. <laughs> or five mana to make a 1-1, one, one, but you're tapping your sapperlings to help cast this. So that's pretty good. And then a bunch of sorcerer instants here that make sapperlings uh, scatter the seeds. Same kind of thing. Green, green, three, convoke. You put three green sapperling creature tokens onto the battlefield. Fungal Infection, target creature gets neg one, neg one, creates a green sapling creature token. Evolution Charm is another way. Oh, it just puts a land into your hand. Course of Might, till end of turn, target creature gets plus one, plus one for each creature you control and gains trample. So that's going to get really big. There is a single Golgari. Well, I mean, they're all single. There's a, one artifact, Golgari Signet. And then in the enchantments, got. Soil. Fantastic Glee. That's a dirty card. Whenever a creature is put into any graveyard from play, put a plus one, plus one counter on an enchanted creature. Woof. Yeah. Night Soil is pretty good, too. Green, green. Pay one, exile two creature cards from a single graveyard. Create a green sapling creature token. Nice. Right? Any graveyard. To, from a, yeah, but you got, yeah, that's good. But you get us two, they both have to be from the same graveyard, unfortunately. Right, but I mean, that's the thing. It's not just your graveyard. Right. It's any graveyard. Yeah. Art looks That's pretty, what makes it legit for one mana. The art looks pretty crazy. It looks like a salamander is buried under some leaves. Then in the lands, there are 21 forests, a foul orchard, which is a Golgari tap land. Got a Golgari Guildgate, Golgari Rot Farm, which is the dual, which is the Golgari Bounce Land, Jungle Hollow, gains you the life, and it's Golgari Opal Palace, ten swamps, and a Turn Timber Grove. And this deck is only making saplings. Yep. This deck comes to a total whopping fifteen dollars and seventy-one cents, according to Moxfield. The most expensive card. Oh wow! Vitalize. I th- Yep, $3. Yep, that's the only one that's that that has broke the dollar range. Vitalize. A single green instant. Untap all creatures you control. This thing is super budget. This is great. You're just pumping like out said, a bunch of sapperlings, sacking them, doing a bunch of synergies here. I don't know if I would make this. I think I would. I think I would. For, for $16, might as well. Right? Right. Let, let me tell you, as, as a previous Slimefoot deck owner slime foot decks are fun would this make you get into popper commander then like this slime foot build maybe like the cool thing about this is like it seems like it does everything it makes tokens and not much for card draw i'll take that i'll take that back not much for card draw you got a good amount like, of ramp honestly i've thought about rebuilding slime foot to to what end you're gonna do budget popper no or? no just for funsies see how competitive i could make it well i bet you can make it very competitive <laughs> this deck looks really good links down in the description below you guys got any comments on that nope perfect this will give us plenty of time to thank all you legendary magic folk for making it to the end of episode number 81 of this weekend mtg Go check out the podcast. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, any other place where better podcasts can be found. You can watch the podcast live on YouTube and Twitch. Go subscribe and follow on those platforms so you can get notified when we go live or when a new episode gets dropped. 
You guys can follow us on all of our social medias. We have Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We share and post MTG news stuff that we're doing uh, on there. Another good place to follow us is in our Discord that we got. Uh, we share deck ideas there, round up people for spell table games, discuss all things MTG, and there are also other channels to discuss different topics like Pokemon, Minecraft, or sharing music. If none of those ways are, uh, if none of those ways are acceptable ways for you want to contact us, you can also send us an email at thisweekinmtg@gmail.com. Send us comments, concerns, feedback criticism of any kind we appreciate all that because we are striving to be your guys's source for all things magic the gathering we have a patreon join the patreon if you enjoy the content that we're making if it's worth it to you we have two tiers you can put you get put into drawings for booster packs and for other cards links in the description down below for that uh follow us on moxfield where you can look at our decks and see if jb will make a slime foot deck or if he will make a make those changes to his Yorion Soul Herder deck in Modern. And finally, go send love to our amazing sponsor, J-Dub Sports Cards and Gaming. Now, if there's nothing else to be said, do you guys have anything else? Nope. Well then, we will catch you guys next week. See ya. Bye.